Hi, I'm Jose Yotu. I'm a follower of Jesus, husband, father, and a certified life coach. I'm currently living in Cape Town, South Africa. I enjoy life and I'm intentionally live out my God-given purposes within my spheres of influence, family, friends, local church community. And my passion is to see people discover their life purpose and empower them to affect the necessary changes for all the transitions of their life. So I would love to tell you about my life coaching model, which has been built with you, the entrepreneur, the professional business leader in mind. My 11-session coaching process will guide you towards an untapped level of clarity, ensuring that you firstly identify your life goals and secondly implement the practical steps to achieve them. So at the start of our journey together, I make a commitment to helping you create a new awareness of your life purpose. So this is how we'll do that. In the first session, we will explore your goals and we'll place you firmly on the path to creating a compelling future. In the second session, we will tap into your resources and set out your milestones and all the action steps that you need to take for success. Then we'll go to session three, and that will center around your beliefs and understanding the power that those beliefs hold to either empower you or to limit you in the achievement of your life goals. We then go into session four, and that focuses on the whole aspect of motivation, which is a very necessary force that, that shapes your life. Uh, and then we go on to your values, which is another thing that determines the kind of choices you make, and they become your personal compass. In session five, um, we will cover those aspects. In session six, we discuss your rules of life. What are the rules that you make, um, and, and how do those rules help you experience your values? We then go into session seven, um, and that session seven talks about the very key to, to human expansion, the aspect of human needs, and help you have a deeper understanding of your human needs and, and how they drive your very daily interactions and behavior. Then we go to sessions eight and nine, where we cover the whole aspect of responsibility. And then we start looking at other long-term goals that you have. And then finally, we move on to uh, session 10, where we can talk about, once you've set all those long-term goals, what is your purpose? What is the vision for your life? And by session 11, if we go right through to the final 11 sessions, we are ready to discuss um, the way forward uh, with a renewed sense of purpose. So my commitment to you is to help you create that new awareness of your life purpose and then empower you to affect those changes. And I'm confident to say that this program will move you into action and it will help you step into your most purposeful and significant life possible. So if you would like to start your journey today, um, please drop me an email uh, and or give me a call on WhatsApp to set up your first session. What I'd like to just chat to you about is why, why does any, everyone need a coach? Why do we need this person in our lives called a coach? Um, so let me just give you a little bit of introduction around this. 
You know, we all created to live a life uh, full of meaning and purpose. And living such a life requires intentional self-reflection and continual personal development. Even at our best, however, we all have blind spots that prevent us from seeing the whole picture of our lives and the thoughts and the habits and the behaviors that hinder our growth. The same is true of our friends and family. While our loved ones may have the best intentions, they often lack the discernment to appropriately analyze and deliver actionable advice. So who do we turn to for unbiased evaluation and expertise? Enter the life coach. People who live a meaningful and purposeful life don't leave their progress up to chance. They live with intention Hiring a life coach is a great example of how those seeking personal transformation and growth can take charge of the vision that they have for their lives. According to certified life coach and a licensed professional counselor, Elizabeth Arboleda, hope I pronounced that correct, she says everyone needs a life coach because there is power in someone else, a professional, reflecting back at you what you say and see to open up your mind, to identify your blind spots, to encourage discovery and support you in creating action. And I think that is so true. So the main goal of a life coach is to help you help yourself in designing and executing a specific vision of your life. By collaborating on actionable steps, you and your life coach will overcome mindsets to create actions and practices that will transform your life. So here are some ways that working with a life coach can enrich your life. Just four of them I want to share with you. First of all, creating a preferred future. Secondly, to help you identify your goals and prioritize them. Thirdly, to cultivate and transition you into a new identity. And fourthly, to support and partner with you. So let me just briefly unpack those for you. First one, creating a preferred future. As I mentioned before, we all need to visualize a preferred future for our life. One that is aligned to the bigger picture of God's purposes and plans for humanity. It starts as you dream big dreams, as you lift your sights and discern what are the desires of your heart that God has placed there and then condense this into goals, and your goals into action plans, and your actions into actual habits, and your habits into results. The second one, as I mentioned, is goal identification and prioritization. For most of us, the problem is not a lack of ambition, but a lack of clarity. When we go through the motions every day, we often find ourselves caught up in the activities of life, chasing a vision of success that was handed down to us instead of one created with care and intentionality. It's no surprise that so many of us spend our entire lives doing what we consider, and I say it in brackets, the right things. That is, going to university, landing a job, starting a family, only to wake up one day and realize that we're not fulfilled. 
So when you work with a life coach, you begin to go on a journey of self-awareness and discovery of who you are and align yourself with God's guidance to design and create the life you are meant to live based on your unique design and your passions. Thirdly is cultivating and transitioning to a new identity. In addition to helping you to set specific goals and take action, life coaches are able to guide and support you in lifetimes of transition. From personal shifts to career changes, a life coach can help you remain grounded in the midst of these changes. Part of the reason why change can be so difficult is because it challenges the stories that we have created for ourselves. We ask ourselves, who am I outside of working for this company? Who am I outside of this marriage or relationship? And these kind of questions can be very scary when faced alone. But a life coach can help you to reframe your personal narrative in a way that sets you up for an empowering and an exciting new season of your life. Fourthly, and we'll end off with this, is a life coach is there to support and partner with you. And perhaps most importantly, that support and partnership is for many people what keeps them moving forward and motivated. The support comes through being challenged with care to set and meet goals with courage, conviction and accountability. As with any partnership, both partners must pull their weight. A coach is not there to agree with you or to fix your life. Rather, a strong coach helps you identify your limiting beliefs and replace them with empowering beliefs and convictions that can change the trajectory of your life. By meeting up for one-on-one -on -one weekly appointments, clients and coaches create an ongoing relationship that the client may lean on for support through many different phases of life. So I trust what I've shared now gives you just a very clear understanding of what a life coach can do for you. And I say, I can make myself available. So if you're interested and you need to engage with me to see what services I can provide and the journey we can do together, please feel free to contact me or email me. This um, time slot is I just want to share with you uh, the whole aspect of self-care or taking care of yourself. I've been thinking about the practice of self-care and many of us equate self-care with selfishness. Uh, I'm reminded of the instructions you receive on an airplane with regards to what you need to do when there's a drop in cabin pressure and the oxygen masks are, are released. They instruct you to grab the mask and first place it over your mouth before attempting to help anyone. Without focusing on your own survival first, you have no help to others around you. And so the practice of self-care is pretty much like that. If you are not growing and becoming a healthy person, then your capacity to help, support and influence others is limited. So what does it mean to take care of yourself? Let me just list a few things and I'm then going to unpack them for you. Self-care is choosing to create a life 
that you don't feel the need to regularly check out of. Self-care means doing things you initially don't want to do and making the choice to do what's uncomfortable. Self-care is allowing yourself to be normal and average instead of always pushing yourself to be perfect or exceptional. So let's unpack these points around the practice of self-care. So after I've shared what I've shared, you're probably thinking, well, that's not what I thought self-care is about. Um, I thought self-care is about escaping and just relaxing and checking out. (laughs) Although it pays off for your well-being in the long run to have those breaks and escape and relax, sometimes self-care is actually the opposite. It's actually doing the hard thing. Taking care of yourself might look like making a plan to pay off your debt or sticking to that hard routine or cooking those healthy meals. It's facing your problems and your unresolved issues head on instead of avoiding them and then trying to distract or soothe yourself later. Self-care means doing what makes you anxious now, like setting boundaries with tough people saying no when you don't want to do something, getting through a tough workout, or telling someone something they don't want to hear. Taking care of yourself means compassionately accepting yourself for who you are instead of burning yourself out trying to be everything to everyone all the time. It's living your life in a way that doesn't leave you needing to check out. So self-care isn't something we should be doing just because we're so burnt out that we need time away from our internal and external pressures. Let's unpack these a little bit in more detail. Firstly, self-care, as I said, is choosing to create a life that you don't feel the need to regularly check out of. Self-care means doing things you don't initially want to do and making the choice to do what's uncomfortable. It means accepting your personal failures and disappointing relationships, then deciding to re-strategize them. It's not about giving into your immediate urges when that means giving up on a long-term goal. It's about forgiving, letting go and accepting what you can't change. It's about being willing to let people down and even saying goodbye to some of them. Self-care can sometimes be about putting your life aside to care for someone in need, and other times about putting yourself first above those who drain you. Ultimately, it's about living a life that you choose, not one that is chosen and driven by other people. The second point was self-care is allowing yourself to be normal and average instead of always pushing yourself to be perfect or exceptional. So it means letting your home or your workspace stay messy when you're tired of cleaning up or deciding you don't need that perfect body after all. It's knowing yourself and understanding how you operate so you can decide what changes are the right ones to make in your life. You see, if you constantly feel like you need a break, it may be because you're disconnected from living a life that includes you in it. Self-care isn't so much about treating yourself as it is about taking actions for your personal growth and your development. 
aiming to choose what's better for your wellness in the long run. The third point was self-care is not about believing that being super busy is a badge of honor. Making yourself so exhausted that you self-sabotage in ways that aren't actually good for you. Once you start doing the real self-care, you start realizing that loving yourself and compassionately being there for you might just solve many of your problems. When you take care of yourself, you become the author and not the victim of your life. You create a life you truly enjoy instead of one you might need recovery or even therapy from. It's not creating a life that looks good on paper, but one that actually fits well with who you are. It's letting go of some of your goals so that you can truly live a more balanced life. It's choosing to no longer make decisions based on what will ease your anxiety, but instead based on what will be good for you tomorrow or the next day. It's not looking to others to meet your needs. It's meeting your own needs. So self-care is living a life that's meaningful and being true to yourself. It's an important practice that can greatly contribute to your overall well-being and ability to support others effectively. It's recognizing the importance of taking care of yourself before being able to help others. In the previous um, session, we, we were talking about self-care, and I just felt that I needed to share a few more thoughts on self-care that you might find helpful. So self-care is about prioritizing your physical, emotional, and mental well-being. It involves taking the time to engage in activities that nurture and recharge you, such as exercising, getting enough sleep, eating healthily, spending time in nature, practicing mindfulness, or pursuing hobbies that you enjoy. Self-care also means setting boundaries and saying no when necessary. It's important to recognize your limits and not overextend yourself, as constantly saying yes to others' demands can actually lead to burnout and neglecting your own needs. Self-care involves cultivating self-compassion and being kind to yourself. Treat yourself with the same care and understanding and support that you would offer to a friend. Embrace self-acceptance and let go of self-judgment or perfectionism. It's important to listen to your body and mind and respond to their signals. Pay attention to your emotions, stress levels and your energy levels. And when you notice signs of exhaustion, overwhelmed or emotional distress, take the time to recharge and replenish yourself. Self-care can also involve seeking support from others when needed. Reach out to trusted friends, to family, to life coaches or professionals who can provide you with the guidance you need and lend you that listening ear or help you during those challenging times. Remember that self-care is a personal journey and what works for one person may not work for another. So it's about finding activities and practices that resonate with you and contribute to your well-being. By prioritizing self-care, you can cultivate a healthier more balanced life and increase your capacity to support and influence others positively. I hope you found those
thoughts that I've shared around self-care helpful. Um, but I want to share also another uh, practice um, that's very important for any change and when you're going through transition, and that is self-awareness. You know, when you don't know what you don't know, um, just to quote somebody the author's not known, but they said, there are plenty of obstacles in your path. Don't allow yourself to become one of them. This quote, uh, when I read it, got my attention. It reminds me of a question that often comes up when a client is forming a plan for something they want to accomplish. So I'll ask the question, what sabotage would look like for them? Or how could this plan get derailed? And the most common answer you get is, well, it's me. I'm what's going to get in the way of this plan being achieved. So it takes self-awareness to recognize how we can get in our own way, or that we will probably do that at some point. And one of the roles of a coach is to act as that mirror, to help you see yourself clearly. Um, and so people hire us and engage with us so that we will speak the truth. Self-awareness alone will not remove the obstacle, which in this case is yourself. We need to come up with a plan or strategy to address it, which is another way that coaching can help you come up with that plan. With self-awareness, people take responsibility for not reaching their goals instead of blaming outside forces like other people or the economy. Self-awareness is also invaluable in our interactions with people, especially if we are leaders hoping to influence people um, we need to do it without our baggage getting in the way. There are a number of assessments that you can actually do out there, like uh, Myers-Briggs or the DISC profile or Strength Finders. I find those three are probably the best kind of assessments that you can do that actually just help you. Um, you don't want to be put into a box by them, but they help you understand who you are and yourself better. There are different levels of self-awareness, and we each have blind spots of things we cannot see for ourselves. And um, psychologists Joseph Luft and Harrington Ingham, they created this model called the Johari Window to help people understand the gaps between what they know about themselves and what others can see about them. Help them kind of find those blind spots. And as the Johari window reveals, there are some things we just won't know from our own consciousness. Einstein said this. He said, we can't solve a problem with the same brain we used when we created that problem. I think that's so good. We need outside perspectives to broaden our knowledge and insight into ourselves, our situations, and the world around us. Self-sabotage and self-awareness are like two sides of the same coin. We all get in our own way. The healthiest people are the ones who are always striving to become more self-aware and we use that knowledge and that feedback to change and to grow. So self-awareness is a key factor in personal and professional growth. It allows us to identify and address our limiting beliefs, our behaviors, our thought patterns, that may hinder our progress towards our goals. It also enables us to recognize and acknowledge our strengths and our weaknesses and the areas for improvement. So my recommendation is 
Get your hands on one of those assessments. Do them. Because they can be very helpful in increasing your self-awareness. Also remember, though, that no assessment can capture the complexity of a person's unique experience, their emotions or their perspectives. Therefore, with self-awareness, or to become more more self-aware, you need to have self-reflection. You need to have feedback from others. And ongoing learning are essential if you're going to develop your self-awareness. In addition to self-awareness, it's also crucial to develop strategies to address your self-sabotaging behaviors and those thought patterns that are limiting you and are negative. This can involve setting clear goals, creating a support system, practicing self-compassion, and developing positive, affirming self-talk. And this is where a life coach can assist and provide support. Ultimately, Developing self-awareness and addressing self-sabotage requires a willingness to take an honest and a compassionate look at yourself. It's a continuous process. It requires effort and dedication, but the rewards in terms of personal and professional growth are significant. So again, I encourage you, if you find yourself going through transitions, needing to change, not sure of why you keep self-sabotaging, why you keep not pursuing your goals and achieving what you want to. I'd like to engage with you and spend time with you and help you get to that place of recognizing those things and becoming self-aware and self-reflecting and then moving into setting those goals and taking those actions and achieving and moving towards what you desire and what God has put in your heart. I just want to pick up on the last um, chat that we had, uh, which was around the whole aspect of or topic of self-awareness. And and I made reference to self-awareness and self-sabotage and how they work together. Um, So I just want to pick up on the concept of what is self-sabotage. Self-sabotage really refers to the behaviors, the thoughts, or the actions that undermine our own success, uh, well-being, or or progress that we make in life. It involves consciously or unconsciously engaging in behaviors that hinder our ability to achieve our goals, maintain healthy relationships, or experience personal growth. And self-sabotage can manifest in various ways and can occur in different areas of our life, such as our work, our relationships, health, or personal development. So let me just give you some common examples of self-sabotaging behaviors. Uh, The first one is procrastination. (laughs) Um, Putting off important tasks or responsibilities until the last minute which can lead to increased stress, um, decrease in our productivity, and and missed opportunities. Um, The next one is fear of failure. Uh, This is where we hold back from taking risks or pursuing opportunities um, due to our fear of making mistakes or being judged or facing disappointment. Uh, Another one is perfectionism. And maybe I fall into this one together with procrastination sometimes. 
And that is setting excessively high standards for oneself and being overly critical of one's own performance, which can lead to feelings of inadequacy, decreased self-confidence, and then a reluctance ultimately to take action. Fifth one is self-doubt. Constantly questioning our abilities or second-guessing the decisions that we make and underestimating our potential, which actually prevents us from fully utilizing our skills and our talents that, that have been God-given. The next one is people-pleasing. This is where we prioritize others' needs and others' opinions over our own. And we often do that at the expense of personal boundaries or our own desires and our well-being. And the last one is, sorry, not the last one, next one is negative self-talk. This is when we engage in a pattern of self-criticism, self-blame, or negative internal dialogue, which what that does, it erodes our self-esteem and our motivation and our self-belief. Then there's avoidance. When we avoid situations or challenges that we feel are uncomfortable or that we're unfamiliar with, and this can limit our personal growth and prevent us from taking on new opportunities and even from new opportunities arising within our life. And so all these self-sabotaging behaviors obviously are not good in terms of our progress. Um, the last one, this time it is the last one, is our sabotaging relationships. Um, this is when we engage in behaviors that undermine relationships, uh, such as we push others away or we create conflict so that others will reject us or we sabotage intimate relationships. And this is often due to our fear of being vulnerable or our fear of being rejected or being abandoned. So it's important to be aware of all these kinds of self-sabotage that we could get into in our lives and, and start becoming habits. Um, and self-sabotage really is often rooted in underlying beliefs or fears that we have or due to past experiences that we've been through or self-limiting patterns of thinking. And these factors can all contribute to a cycle of self-defeating behaviors that ultimately hinder our personal growth and fulfillment. And so we need to address self-sabotage behaviors. Um, and in order to address those behaviors, we need to develop self-awareness uh, and identify the underlying causes or triggers um, challenge our limiting beliefs and then adopt healthier uh, coping mechanisms or healthier strategies or, or better beliefs. Uh, and, and this would involve many times in seeking support from therapists or coaches or trusted individuals who can provide um, the guidance um, and the feedback that we need and help us navigate through the process of overcoming these self-sabotage behaviors. So let's actually just now link the whole aspect of self-awareness and self-sabotage because they're closely intertwined concepts. 
As I said, self-sabotage refers to behaviors, thoughts, actions that undermine our own success, well-being or progress. Uh, They manifest in various ways, and we've just looked at those ways uh, of procrastination, negative self-talk, fear of failure, perfectionism, self-doubt, and ultimately unhealthy habits. So self-awareness is having a clear understanding of oneself. So understanding your thoughts, understanding our emotions, our strengths, our weaknesses, our patterns of behavior. So it's the ability to kind of step back and look at yourself and observe and reflect upon your own thoughts, feelings, and actions without judging yourself, but just being aware of them. So when it comes to self-sabotage, self-awareness actually plays a very critical role in recognizing and understanding the underlying reasons and triggers behind our self-defeating behaviors. So by being self-aware, we can identify those patterns uh, and behaviors. We can identify our limiting beliefs, our fears, and other factors that are contributing to self-sabotage. Let me give you an example. Um, Someone might have a fear of failure that leads them to procrastinate on important tasks or avoid taking risks. So through self-awareness, what will happen is they can recognize this fear and explore its origins. Uh, They may uncover beliefs they hold about themselves or past experiences that have influenced their fear. And with this awareness, they can work then on challenging those beliefs uh, and developing new coping strategies and taking proactive steps to overcome those self-sabotaging behaviors. Self-awareness also helps us to recognize the moments when we are most susceptible to self-sabotage. For instance, we might notice that we tend to undermine our progress when we feel stressed or overwhelmed or when we receive negative feedback. So by being aware of these triggers, we can take preemptive measures to address them and prevent self-sabotaging behaviors from arising. Self-awareness also allows us to monitor our thoughts and emotions and enables us to interrupt our negative self-talk and then reframe those limiting beliefs and cultivate a more positive and a more empowering mindset. It helps us build resilience, uh, self-compassion and a growth-orientated mentality and all of which are crucial in combating self-sabotage. So let me just summarize then. Self-awareness is a very powerful tool in understanding and addressing self-sabotage. By cultivating self-awareness, we can identify self-defeating patterns, and we can explore their underlying causes, and then we can develop strategies to overcome them, So it's an ongoing process that requires continuous self-reflection, introspection, and finally commitment to personal growth. 